Welcome back to another episode of the Hot Hot Hoops podcast. I'm Brandon Perno, and I'm here today with senior writers Matt Hannafin and uh, Dan Riccio. Uh, what's up, guys? How you doing today? Good. Oh, doing all right, man. How about you? How was you guys? How was your guys' All Star break? Hey, I mean, you know, a nice. Uh, there's been a little bit of NBA fatigue this year. I'm not gonna lie. Um, you know, they think that after the what 31st or 32nd heat clutch game, you know, you. <laughs> Just take some time to relax, let your heart rate settle a little bit and enjoy the all-star break a little bit. But uh, yeah, I enjoyed some of the stuff. Um, I think they need to fix the skills competition. I think they need to fix the all-star game, but I very much enjoyed the slam dunk competition this time around. So uh, and that surprised me too. I wasn't expecting it to be a good dunk contest, but it really was. It was like that guy on this on Philly, he made it real entertaining. Yeah, Mac McClung, social media dunker turned uh, call up for the dunk contest. If this is this is all he does for the next five years, I think it'll be more than enough. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be I, honest. I, I didn't watch a second of All Star Weekend. Really? Hey, no. you've been you've been on like no. for coverage and stuff, so like I don't necessarily blame you. No, I'm like I was busy Saturday night. Um, I was at a high school basketball game with my alumni playing in a regional championship against uh the, a team coached by former heat legend luke babbitt um and oh, his team himself. his team promptly kicked the you know what out of mine uh so that was fun uh but other than that no i really i mean i watched like a little bit of the all-star game i checked out after like five ten minutes it's just it's not something I don't want to say it's not for me. I mean, like it was cool to see Bam check in after like two seconds yeah. <laughs> after Giannis, like was like, no, I'm out. Um, but other than that, yeah, no, I, I just kind of, I didn't really watch a whole lot of it. This weekend, I would have liked to see, uh, to see Tyler, you know, getting to more of a rhythm in that three point contest. Mm-hmm. And he, he was, you know, heating up like in, towards the middle of his, of like his turn. And then when he got to that money rack, he just, just ran out of time. Um, the three point contest is usually my favorite of all-star weekend. And uh, it was, uh, it's it was, usually the best. It's pretty loud. One of the best. I have to say like, that's a lot of missed buckets. Like I, I was watching with a friend who's not an NBA fan, you know? And uh, he's like, so who are these guys? Like, why can't they make a shot? I'm like, oh, I'm like, these are the best three-point shooters in the league. He's like, what? <laughs> it's just, uh, it's, it's one of those where it's like, I think there needs to be, I think, I think if you're the NBA, you can look back at this all-star weekend and realize that you need to incentivize players to compete in some of the things. I'm like, I'm sure you put a million dollar grand prize for the dunk contest and you'll get some stars. Cause like, if we look at dunk contest history, you have stars who have competed. You have the Jordans, you have the Kobe's, you know, you have the Vince Carter's, you have those guys who have all played, or sorry, have all done spectacular dunk contest performances and they've made them part of their legend. Like the fact that like, it always pains me. Like, I know it's stupid because like it's LeBron, but it's like, it always pains me that LeBron's never done it because like, you know, you know, he's always, uh, you know, it's always like the, the triangle, right? It's uh, it's Kobe Jordan. And I'm like, Where, LeBron, where's your slam dunk contest? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's arbitrary, but it's like, it does, it is a lot of fun. You know what I mean? And for Nike, it's a hell of a campaign, but it's like, these guys don't want to do it. Like, why is John Morant not doing the dunk contest? Donovan Mitchell's done it. You know, like you've had guys in the past compete, but it's like, 
it's hard to look past, and I really enjoyed the dunk contest this year, but it's hard to look past that Mac McClung, who didn't play a game for Philly before he was called up, you know what I mean? Um, in, in like in the time being to the dunk contest, you know, like you needed to go get a social media dunker out of the G League to make this an interesting dunk contest. Cause like as cool as Trey Murphy's dunks were with uh, Jose Barado and uh and, and that kind of thing, like it wasn't that exciting, you know? Like uh, it's like, and why can't why there are great dunkers in the NBA? And it's like I know people want to have their rest and that kind of thing, but if there's incentive, I think you could actually turn that into something more exciting. Um, and same goes for the all-star game. That was like, it wasn't that long ago that these were like at least fairly competitive. I remember growing up watching Allen Iverson win all-star MVP and, and like just really enjoying those games. And like, honestly, I like, I don't want Syria to have to bleep me out. So I couldn't care less. Uh, uh, <laughs> no. Yeah. Like the all, I think it's more so just the all-star game. Like, if you were to put, I don't know if how you would negotiate this, but like, yeah, I don't know. The losing team has to pay the winning team an X amount of dollars or something like that. I don't know, just something gimmicky like that to like at least make it. I don't know if they're it. Huh? Dan, did they do the charities this year? Yeah, they did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but like, if you were to invent incentivize them in some way, like the dunk contest, I've always not always been the belief, but like. I would rather have like professional dunkers, like not necessarily NBA players, but guys who like professionally dunk for a living, because I think that's where some of this like gets lost. Like, not with like the Aaron Gordons or like the Zach Levines and stuff like that. Like those guys in the dunk contest were awesome. Like that was that was, a lot that was the last good dunk contest. That was 2016. Right. But like even like Mac McClung, like if you like I remember him like before he even got to like Georgetown and Texas Tech, like he was like a legit dunker in high school. But even like if you're if you're hiring or like have guys in who are like I don't I can't think of like names off the top of my head, but like guys who like there's guys who are like professionally dunk, yeah, social media dunkers, but like NBA players don't not all of them dunk like I like your like idea. We, there, like there's nothing that we haven't seen at this point from like an NBA player. And so oh. if you can maybe get something who will add like a little bit of spice, kind of like what Mac did. Yeah, yeah, why no, not? Why not NBA different. players versus social media dunkers? You know what I mean? Like, maybe, yeah, that, maybe that, 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 flare that would be something. Yeah. yeah. What if? What if? Like, would you guys have? Would I? There's also needs probably needs to be a change in like who votes for the dunks or like the judges. Because I mean, yeah, like yeah, that wasn't that great, and also like. Like, I mean, not this year specifically, but just in general. Like, what if you had like fans vote? <laughs> I mean, I'm mean, not saying that I would mean, happen, but like that'd be kind of fun. I would give him a seat. I would give him a seat at the table. You know what I mean? Probably be better than having Carl Malone up there. Um, <laughs> right. Okay. I'm, I'm surprised neither of you mentioned Derek Jones Jr. Well, yeah. I mean, Miami yeah, I mean, look, look, like, like that was a decent dunk contest, but the highlight of that weekend was Bam winning skills, and that was the last time they did a proper skills competition too. The, yeah, the skills one, like, why are we having three different teams? No. Like, what are we doing? The yeah. skills competition was perfect. And, like, it, it was a heat tradition for a few up-and-coming heat star to win a skills competition. D-Wade won it twice. Yep. And, and then Bam won it. And then even Bam never defended his crown because they changed it. Yep. I didn't just think didn't that Wade win it when he was a rookie? Or not a rookie, but in that 06 year? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think he won it, and then he won it, like, back-to-back. I just think that they're changing it 
too much for their own good. It's just unnecessary, right. and they're kind of just forcing change. Like the team LeBron and team Giannis thing, like that that should never have been it's a thing. Long. And it's, it's like, back to what it used to be. It wasn't like forget, forget about like just like putting money involved or like teams having to pay each other money. Like what about East versus West? Winner gets home court advantage in the finals. MLB style. Ooh, yeah. Okay. I didn't that, see that. that. I remember when MLB yeah. used to do that. They took that away, I think, two or three years ago. Yeah. That, that, that gives a lot more reason to make it competitive and actually try. Like it was, it was Kobe who said it best. He's like, like we're tuning in because we want to see the best pickup game, the best, like the best pickup game in the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, like I, you know, these guys go harder in the Drew. Yeah, they go. Yeah, they do it in the summertime. So it's like, why? Why? I mean, it's, I get it. So I, I, it's a maybe a little bit different, but it's still like, yeah. Like, all right, guys don't want to get hurt during the slam dunk contest, but we're seeing guys do it like 360 windmills in the All-Star wait, game. Wait, wait, like, a day later, it's like, wait, what? Like, how does that make sense? We got Jericho Sims just injuring his like his armpits, like uh, the entire dunk contest, doing the same dunk over and over and over, which is like, come on, buddy. <laughs> that was one of the best, that was the most creative ideas there. I heard that he did a couple things over All-Star break. What? I heard. I, I, I listen. I can't confirm. I there's I been know. there's been some rumors out there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let's talk about it because you guys like I wasn't I wasn't pleased that the Heat didn't make moves during the trade deadline. Uh, but I was like I was kind of I was looking at this season as a little bit of a wash. I hate to say it. Um, I know you guys were inherently pissed off, uh, which is totally your right and understandable. Uh, but the acquisitions that they've made recently, I've been I've been pleasantly surprised about. So. I will lob it up to Matt, who will lob it up, who will lob it back to Dan, and then we come back to me to talk about it. So, well, you well, like, okay, what, what happened with the deadline is like I wrote something incredibly long about this and how like they've had previous f ups with like their asset management and whatnot on the website. Go, please go check that out at hot hopes hot hot hoops dot com. Um, but like they were in a position to where. They could have flipped. I mean, when you sign Deadman to a nine-year to to a nine million dollar deal as a salary filler, but then you don't use that salary to fill any potential deal, and that's the only deal that you make. But you and you attach a second round second round pick, which by the way, second round picks were just like just getting like handed out like candy. Like it was just like I obviously didn't expect it. I don't think. Pat and Andy did either, but like when you attach a second round pick to a guy that you signed to a salary filler to a team that is just taking in buyout guys and they're just like nothing. And that's the only move you make. Like that's not, that's not something that you can positively spin. Um, and it's like, they could have, I mean, in hindsight, they probably should have flipped max at, at whether the deadline or in the offseason cash out on, you could, you could have done the same with Gabe. You could have done the same with a bunch of players. Um, if you were to stack assets or at least have proper asset management, because it's like right now, it's like we're still having these conversations. Like, all right, what's going to happen with Kyle? We're probably going to talk about this later in the podcast. But for the final 23 games of this season, since Kyle's on an expiring deal next season, what's going to happen with it? What's going to happen with Duncan, who has, I think, three years left on his deal after this season? Like, they could have, there was moves to make that they could have made, but 
they probably weren't positioned to make any of them. And like, this is not, this is a front office that each and every year they want to go for the superstar or they want to go for the guy that's next available. And we make this joke all the time in the NBA that every superstar becomes available, not every superstar, but the most disgruntled superstar, one happens every two, three, four months. Yeah, especially now. And they always want to sit at the table for that. But when you don't, I don't want to say manage your assets correctly. I mean, remember, this three years ago, they traded three second-round picks for KZ Akpala, who then they attached, or they didn't attach, but they traded for a second-round pick to free up a pick that they traded with for Jimmy, but they put four years of protections on it. Like, there's just there's mess-ups left right and sat like i mean in in the pandemic season in hindsight right but it's 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 in hindsight obviously but like you can't you can't routinely make these same mistakes because i mean we're going to be talking about coming in the off season all right what do we do with max are we going to overpay for max are we going to over overpay for gabe are we going to overpay for your seven what are we going to do with these guys because guess what if they're not they're i mean your seven's a restricted free agent but max and gabe are two unrestricted free agents I, we have their bird rights, so we could overpay them if we yeah. want to. But what, like, what's the limit that they're going to overpay them to? I don't think, um, like, while I wasn't, why I wasn't pissed about the trade deadline is I don't think Miami was in a position to get any value. Like, uh, all of our, it might not have been. All our assets, like, quite frankly, have sucked lately, and now, or have been hurt. Like Duncan was the clear cut yeah. favorite to get traded. You know, right. and he literally what got hurt a month before deadline and. He was, he was gaining a little bit of traction again, and then uh, and then he fell well, off. Like those situations puts their value down. Well, that's it. And like Lowry, right. everyone wanted to, to trade Kyle, uh, and people were even like, "Oh, let's flip Kyle for Westbrook and that kind of thing." And it's just like Kyle didn't have like he has no, he's hurt again, and he wasn't he wasn't gaining value heading into the deadline, and his contract's a lot more valuable this summer than it was in the first place. Like. I know we'll talk about, we'll probably talk about it a little bit more, but Kyle will get minutes when he comes back because they need to, they need to get like, they need to regain some value. And if he is hurt, then, you know, and like, uh, you know, Lowry is perennially hurt. That's like, that's just been his thing since Raptors days. Um, then at least like this extended rest will probably come, have him come back a little bit better. And like, you know, um, there's a little bit of a difference now because it's a different roster when you come back and you have some guys who can perform the pick and pop admirably um and we can uh dan i'm gonna let dan say his piece on deadline and then we can uh we can talk about the two new guys uh joining the squad yeah so with with the deadline it was obviously disappointing i actually posted on the social media pages that i thought it was actually unacceptable just because of how up and down this season's been and just struggling to find consistency. Like it didn't take the smartest guy in the world to watch Miami heat games this season and know that there are holes that needed to be addressed at the deadline. It, it, it didn't, it, it didn't take much to realize that. And I just feel like, there were so many options out there that, you know, we even discussed in the last podcast and there were so many options who just like made so much sense that could have came to help this team. But in regards to what happened with the buyout, I don't think the, even though uh, before I even get into Kevin Love, the Kevin Love addition and Cody Zeller, I don't think it, 
either of those guys could have made anything better than what we could have got at the deadline. Like it, just by seeing what Vanderbilt is doing in LA, I mean that could have that could have been someone who was perfect, someone who's young, who does the who does the dirty work. He he's a power forward. He's he's got length. Someone like that would have been perfect and probably better than what we ended up getting in the buyout market. I still wanted Plumley. <laughs> yeah, Plumley ended up in Portland, I think. No, no, Clippers. Clippers, all right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what I can say, though, no matter how disappointing it was or how they should have made moves at the deadline, Pat definitely at least made the best of what we could have done and gave just some hope for the rest of the season. Something to at least look forward to, see if maybe a, a new face or two, especially a veteran like Kevin Love and, you know, someone like Zeller, at least see what adding a couple new faces, even if they were cheap options from the buyout, just adding new people in that locker room and on the floor, it's it gives something to at least hope for because – even though Kevin Love, if, if you look at his stats this year, they're they're not ideal. But with the with Kevin Love and his stats this year, you can't really judge off those stats because he was in and out of the rotation for Cleveland all all season. Yep. So those stats that you're gonna see if you if you look up on on you know Google or anything, if you look at those stats, they're they're not accurate stats because Kevin Love has been in and out. I think. The if after the deadline, when I just heard the name Kevin Love thrown around, and this was before he even officially was bought out, just hearing his name thrown around, I immediately thought that if we're gonna do just at least anything, it, it had to be Kevin Love. It had to be. It's just Kevin Love is exactly the kind of power forward that Bam needed. Yeah. Not not even just the team in general, just so, just a perfect pair with Bam, specifically him. You know, someone who can give him more space and someone who can help with the rebounding, someone who can get some outlet passes going. It, it, but Kevin Love can affect the game inside and outside on both sides of the floor. On defense and, already, and offense, and they already have rapport. Him and Bam, like uh, from the Olympic days. Uh, that, that's right. Yeah, they they have a relationship. So it's getting Kevin Love. I'm not gonna say it saves our season, but a name, just a name like that, it brings a lot of hope, and at least helps with more optimistic thoughts of what can happen. Because you know we we've made deep playoff runs with a solid power forward, not, not any superstar power forwards, but we've made runs with guys like Crowder and PJ Tucker. I mean, do you guys think Kevin Love at this stage in his career can be better than what PJ Tucker and Jay Crowder brought? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, maybe not. No. Um, I think, I think offensively, I, I think I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt Kevin Love that much because every time he's played the season and gets decent minutes, he's still very good. Yeah. You know? Um, the, for for Miami, like our problem, our problem is not necessarily defense. Our problem is the fact that we can't score at all ever. Right. You know, it's uh, it's 
Like, uh, you know, we go through scoring droughts all the time. It's been a problem the last couple of years. Someone like Kevin Love helps solve that. He plays that stretch four role, like, like kind of like you could with not necessarily at the same level, but he can get that spacing like you did Bosch. You know what I mean? He's still, he's, it's a very similar player, a very similar player. Exactly. And you know, if at the very least, and I don't know if you guys agree, but I'm, I'm curious to see if you do. It makes the heat more watchable because this has been a painful season to watch. You know, it's like everything that made these guys great last year, because it's like all in all pretty much the same roster without PJ Tucker. And what made them so enjoyable to watch last year has been absent this year. You know, you get games of it. You like Bam has been spectacular, but like I could literally watch Bam highlights and be pleased. You know what I mean? But instead, yeah. it's like, you know, the my biggest pain point for the heat this season is especially when we cover games, I don't need to watch the first three quarters. I can watch, I can watch the last two right. minutes. I can right. watch the last five minutes and the game's going to get decided then. The first three quarters. That's, that's a valid play. statement right there. You don't want to watch the third quarter, Brandon? No, I never want to watch the third quarter, but I'm always forced to sit through it. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's, one, it's one of those things where it's just like, it hasn't been that fun. But adding Kevin Love to the mix, okay, all the things that made the offense stagnant, that kind of disappears a little bit. There's more gravity to it because, like, let's face it. I mean, Duncan wasn't giving much gravity this year, you know? And I know Spo went to say, like, oh, Kevin kind of gives the same gravity that Duncan gives. No, Spo, like, I hate to disagree with Coach Spo, but he gives the same gravity that Duncan did three years ago. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's like, right. that, that can make the team better. Um, so, yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited about it. I'm also just a big Kevin Love fanboy anyway. So like uh, I wanted them in a uniform forever. So you got, so you got your guy then now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, it was Dan. You posted like the buyout targets in our Slack, and I was like, Kevin Love's not going anywhere because like I figured he's in Cleveland for the rest of his days. Like he loves it there. They love him. You know, he's won a championship there. He's the only one from the Big Three era left. Like he's just gonna. They're gonna like they're gonna retire his number anyway. But he's not going anywhere. So to see him leave. And to see what he's spoken about, the heat, like the heat culture and the heat organization in general, I would not be surprised to see him stick around, uh, you know, for another contract. So we'll have to see. I'm, I'm very impressed with what Pat Riley and Andy Ellisberg just managed to do so last minute. You know, being inconsistent all season long, always games going down to the last minute, you know, clearly just like, teetering like over just over being average as a team throughout most of the season then striking out completely at the deadline not being able to get rid of contracts that we would have wanted to get rid of not being able to bring in people we would have might have wanted to bring in and to somehow at the very last minute get involved in Kevin Love rumors I was pretty impressed that you know he he Pat Riley, he made something out of nothing because so many fans were just so disappointed and upset. And I mean, just going on the, the Miami Heat Instagram page, every single post of the day after the deadline, fans were just commenting just pretty nasty stuff, honestly. And I was very impressed that even with all the circumstances and not making deadline moves, Pat Riley still somehow found a way to add a new dynamic to the team and for a, a very cheap price too. I mean, this doesn't affect our cap space that much adding someone like Kevin Love from a buyout and with Kevin Love, you kind of get like a little bit of a, 
preview of what could have been if Chris Bosh stayed around. You're going to make me cry, man. Uh, It's it's something very interesting to think about. And I, I don't think it's been talked about enough either. Kevin Love and Chris Bosh, I I think are very similar. I think they have very similar skill sets offensively. Maybe Bosh was a little bit better defensively, but just in general, very very similar players. So to get Kevin Love, even though he's a little older now, we still know, like how you mentioned before, when he does get minutes, we still know he can produce. You get a little preview of what could have been with a Dan, guy like I'm going to interrupt you just for a second. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll get back to that thought in just a second. Sounds good. All right, and we're back. Uh, Dan, you were just explaining the uh, similarities between uh, Love and uh, one former Heat superstar, Chris Bosch, so I will let you get back to that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really exciting i i personally think it's exciting you know just to see someone of his caliber a five-time all-star someone with career averages of 17 points 10 rebounds 38 percent from three it's it, it really does make you think what could have happened if you know a player like bosch was bam's front court partner you get a little bit of a preview of that now with similar traits between Love and Chris Bosch. And to go back to just the, the buyout additions that we made, I didn't say anything about Cody Zeller yet. I'm, I do think that there could have been a, maybe a, some better options. I mean, I know Nerlens Noel was linked to Miami a couple times throughout the season. I kind of would have liked to see noel as a backup especially considering that zeller hasn't played in a while but the way i think of the zeller pickup is when he was last in an nba rotation and getting minutes with charlotte and this was in 2020 he was putting up nearly 10 points seven boards on 56 percent shooting from the field that's that's pretty solid if you ask me especially as a backup big and I'm, I don't know if he's going to put up numbers near that. I, I really don't know. I mean, that was in only 20 minutes of action with Charlotte in 2020. So it, it could be possible. But even if you get something close to that, that's clearly an upgrade over what Deadman was giving us this year. So, yeah, I'm super excited about Love. I think that it's not a season changer, but it's just a new dynamic. It's an, it's a, it's an exciting change that really the heat needed all season long but zeller was a very underrated and low-key move i mean i think i saw a tweet that miami held a private workout for zeller and when i saw that i didn't even really think it was legit and then little did i know the next day we signed cody zeller so i mean it was very under the radar like bringing in a player like zeller but I mean that's a it's a near seven foot body. I, I'm pretty sure he's listed as six eleven, but it's a it's a tall body. He brings length, and I'm not as excited to see Zeller on the court as Kevin Love, just because I know how much more Kevin Love can bring to the table than a player like Cody Zeller. But I'm at least interested to see if Zeller can 
maybe give Yurtsevin like a run for his money to see who gets those backup big minutes. I don't know what you guys think if it should be Yurt when he gets healthy or if it should be Zeller. That's pretty tough in my opinion. Turn it on the court is what I say, man. And like uh, I think what you said about Zeller is completely fair and it's kind of how I feel too. He's solid. You know what I mean? And like if you look at his NBA career, he's always been solid. You know, like uh, yeah, that's the that's a that's a number four pick. You know what I mean? One that uh, and, a, and a guy who already has rapport with Victor Oladipo. You know, they, they that is very true. That's a good point, actually. It's yeah, a great point. Yeah, they did play together, so it's uh, it's one of those things where it's like anybody's better than Deadman at this point, man. Deadman was a shell, you know, and it's like, uh, I, and, and that's not to say that, like, you know, I, I talk shit about Deadman on this podcast and that's not to say I didn't like the mechanic when he was here and when he was delivering. Cause like he did some stuff that was really great. He was just losing it towards the end, which you totally thought, you know, what you totally thought would happen anyway. Um, I don't think, I don't think Zeller's done. I think he's got something to prove a little bit. And, you know, if there's one thing we do well in Miami, it's like, you know, it's fixed careers that are kind of gone off the rails a little bit. So, I think he'll yeah. be service. I think he'll be serviceable. Yeah, I think you know that's guys. That guy's an almost. Uh, he's he's as close to Mason Plumley as I could have gotten, I suppose, without without getting Mason Plumley on this team. So I'll, I'll take it. But is it solid enough play from Zeller to play over your? That's what I really want to discuss. Honestly. We got to we, we got to see, man. Yurt is coming on. He Yurt hasn't played in like eight months. You know, yeah. like, I don't know what, I don't know what his activity has been in like behind the scenes. We all know that you're, can be a stud when he plays, especially when he was playing for BAM um, just last season, but. It was feasting last year. Exactly. But you know, it's, it's also, it also comes down to like experience factors too. It's like Yurt did not see minutes down the stretch despite his solid play. You know, it's a, uh, it's really like. I'm not going to sit here and try to dissect Coach Spo's rotations. I've never been able to do that, and I've been covering this team for like <laughs> years. Uh, you know, so it's like Spo will probably go with one, but like the fact of the matter is, both are very good, solid pieces. So like, I think you don't go wrong with either decision. Exactly, and that and that's that's a good position to be in. And like, last thing I'll say, and I'm going to pass it over to Matt because he hasn't had a chance to talk about these guys. Is um, we. The, the Miami Heat with this roster pretty uh, like pretty much the way it was last season was the top seed in the East and get, and you know and stomped on the friggin' Atlanta in the first round and then crushed Philly uh, uh, like you know crushed their hearts of the fans towards the end of uh, you know the second round and then put it to game seven it was a bucket of, they were a bucket away from going to the finals okay they have not been able to unlock this magic or that magic this season. And maybe some fresh bodies that do something a little bit different, add a couple intangibles, you know, maybe that unlocks what they had last year because that, that, you know, those guys are still there. It's just, they haven't been able to tap into what made them special. So, you know, maybe, maybe that's what Pat and Andy and Spo have, you know, that maybe that's why they didn't go hard, you know, where it's like, okay, maybe we just need these guys to shift the offense a little bit and add this and add that, you know? Um, but you know, that's me being optimistic and hopefully just not watching another clutch game tomorrow. So we'll see. Don't forget Caleb being able to play small forward now. Oh, yeah, that'll be freaking nice. That's going to be very, very satisfying to watch because he's a much better wing player than a power forward. Absolutely. I, I know that for a fact. Absolutely. Matt, 
How about you, buddy? Talk about it. Talk about it. Can we temper our expectations a little bit? No. For... It's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, no, I, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I'm in five, 10 years, we're going to be looking back at this year and just be like, wait, like how we, we, we were, how happy about Cody Zeller and Tyler <laughs> or Kevin Love. But like at the same time, it's like we haven't acquired anyone in a year and a half. It's okay to be happy, you know, like for like, I the general NBA fan is also probably like, wait, like they're happy about 34 year old Kevin Love and Cody's like, what? Yes. <laughs> 33 year old Kevin Love. Kevin Love is the same age as Jimmy Butler. 33. Regardless. We're just like, wait, like we're happy about who? We're, s- or we're, we're like starving, this, man. We're like this static <laughs> about who? But like at the same time, like if you go one deadline without making a move or two deadlines without making a move plus an off season when moves are needed to be made. That really any, any like this team through what, what, what are we 59 games into the season? Correct me if I'm wrong. 59, 58, oh, somewhere around oh, there. Yeah. Around then, like Seems anything it. helps <laughs> really anything helps. Um, I don't know. I mean, I wrote about it a little bit when I dove into the film, but like love is going to offer floor spacing. We know that shooting 35% from deep this year. He's a career 37% three point shooter. He's going to, he's a very good playmaker in the mid post, high post, low post, wherever you want him. Um, he's a very good outlet passer. That can't be ignored as you guys already previously mentioned. Um, something that I didn't really write, but he's a very good rebounder. Um, especially on the defensive glass. And I mean, Miami's not a bad rebounding team for, especially for their lack of size. But again, when you have a six, eight body, who's a good rebounder. Well, don't about that, sir. Um, it helps a lot. Um, the rebounding helps a lot, but he, he suffered, he broke his thumb and he hasn't played. Like how good is his thumb going to be? Better than Duncan. Like how like what like are we, like I don't know what to really expect from him breaking his thumb since he returned. He was only shooting thirty one ish percent from deep, thirty two. I know, but and, like that's, that's better than we like we we play games right. But like I'm trying to see like what exactly like what kind of bar are we setting? For? Like do you? Oh, yeah. I, mean, I don't because okay. I don't know what to expect. Like honest, he, I mean, and, but in, at the same time. Again, anything helps. He, if he shoots 30%, 35%, 40%, at this point, I could honestly care. I couldn't honestly care less. But like what type what type of expectation are we setting for him? Because again, yeah. I I think to you're coming off an injury. You make fair points, okay? I'm not gonna deny that. You make fair points. Um, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to I'm trying to like not set a proper expectation level, but I'm just trying to get in your as like where are we where well, exactly the, are we expe- the expectations can change depending on if he starts or he comes off the bench. That, in my opinion, because we don't we don't know that for sure yet. I would assume and hope that Kevin Love is a starter on this team. He will be, but I mean, I think it's more fair to put real expectations out there once we really do know for sure. If he's gonna, which kind of role he's gonna be in on tomorrow? Like, and he's only making three mil a year, and he's a buyout. So, like, what the expectation? Like, regardless of how he plays, we might not have 
many expectations for him at all. And that's not look, many expectations, but like he could do really anything and it'd be okay. That's I look at what I'm trying to say. With for, expectation, for expectations for Kevin Love, like especially with some minutes, because like over the last three seasons, he hasn't averaged 30 minutes a game. He's averaged around 20, 23 minutes a game, I'd say. Mm-hmm. I think your expectations are more in line with how he played in 21 and 22, which was 13.6 points per game. Uh, it was 7.2 rebounds. Um, depending on his thumb, he shot 39% from three, and he was uh, averaging 43% from the field. I think that's the type of Kevin Love that you mm-hmm. can get in this offense. And it's more or less, like, it's also, there's also a mentality aspect to it. Like, how right. motivated were you to go out and perform for a Cleveland team who only wanted you when certain players were out? You know, you lost your, like, he lost his rotation spot. Right. He lost his role. Right. Like, this is the veteran leader on the team that brought your team a championship. You know what I mean? And he's not that old. He's still solid. Like, he was averaging, um, what was it, uh, 17.6 points per game in 1920. You know, that's not that long ago. And that was the last time he got over 31 minutes, you know? So it's like, even with a broken thumb, it's like, okay, so maybe maybe he'll miss some three-pointers. Maybe he continues to shoot 35% from three. And, like, that's not amazing, but that's pretty damn good for this team. It's more or less... Like we can, like the Heat never grab rebounds. He can grab rebounds. You know, uh, we have a hard time getting in a transition offense. He can, he's going to circumvent that for sure and make it a lot better. And it's, it's also, also, it's another guy on the team who's won a chip and knows what it takes. Right. Know? That too. I'm just trying to play. De- I'm not trying to play devil's oh, advocate. Course, I guess course. I'm trying to play devil's advocate, but hey, I'm just yeah, trying to give it like a different. How could you not? It's a podcast. This is what we're supposed to do. <laughs> um, but Cause it's it, like the Chris Bosch comparison, like, I mean, they're, I mean, Dan's right there. They're, they're similar players, but but I it's mean, also it's also something that's like this is thirty three. Kevin Dan's credit. Spoon knows how to work a player like this into an that's, offense. That's, that's what I'm that's saying. Fair. Yeah, that's, that's exactly fair. what I'm saying. This like, just feels kind of like I don't want to say it feels more. Do I want to say Trevor Ariza? No, oh, no, you can't, no, you can't. no, no, no. Well, well, you can't. No, like, but like no, from no. like an impact standpoint, like Trevor wasn't not impactful. No, he was he was decent, but he but he was a laughing stock in the playoffs. Those last last game he played. Oh no, did he, he went to LA? Playoff, okay, you know? well, I'm just talking regular season playoffs. Yeah, okay. Kevin Love from being decent. compared to Trevor Ariza is that that's the, pro- the, the that's productivity. Like, though. That's messed up. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's, that's, I think that's kind of feels like, more so like that than like the yeah. higher level of expectation that we may or may not be setting. I don't. I don't think so. It feels closer to Trevor Reese. He's not exactly Trevor Reese. I, th- like, I think. I think from Trevor a productivity was... standpoint, like how much are we gonna? How much are we asking of Kevin? I'm. 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 I'm saying you give Kevin Love 28 minutes a night, and you will be very content in what he delivers. Yeah. You know, we might be, we might be I, 20, 25 minutes. Trevor wasn't the worst either, but like, I'm no, just trying to like, it, it kind of was the worst never, though. Like Trevor Ariza was really bad. <laughs> he was really bad. Let me, I got to bring that up now because he got, wasn't terrible. He wasn't good. He wasn't good. Yeah. It was the, like, honestly, man, like we traded for the shell of Trevor Ariza, like at this point. Uh, that, that part is true. That part I mean, of something that's something that it's closer. It's not exactly that, though. I'm just but saying. No, but like, like Kevin Love is the expectation that, that we're setting for Kevin versus 
Something that's contributing to my excitement over getting a 33-year-old Kevin Love is just how excited he is to be here, too. That's a great point. He's, uh, if you go, he's really, he's, I mean, yeah, that's fair, he sounds like, locked in. He sounds really locked in, and he seems genuinely that's happy fair. to be in this organization. Yeah. Okay, to, I got to give credit to Matt here. You're not wrong. He wasn't complete doo doo for the Heat. I'm just saying, from like it's closer minutes, to yeah. like we're we're setting a tremendously high. What was Ariza's stats? I want to so, know. Yeah, 30 minutes a night for the Heat. Oh, uh, hang on. Uh, he was 35 when he got to Miami. Just to make 30. Oh, oh, wait, 35. No, he was age 35. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's age 35. He played 30 minutes a game for the Heat. He averaged 9.4 points. Uh, four point. Uh, where's my here's total rebounds. Uh, total rebounds, 4.8 rebounds. Um, he shot 77% from the free throw line, which is not that great. Um, he, where, where's his field goal percentage? He shot 41% from the field, which is not great. And he shot 35% from three. You know? Um, I mean, he's uh, going to, he's going to grab more rebounds than that. Yeah. Uh, not he, horrible, he, he, but... a steal again. Not horrible, but like you're saying, but also Kevin Love. Like Kevin Love was an all-star and like a key yeah, yeah. championship team. Like Trevor yeah. Reza has been a perennial role player his entire career. I think like I think if you look at the ceiling, they're much different. Yeah, that's a the yeah. ceiling is different. I would agree with that, but I'm saying like it, the acquisition, because considering he was on the buyout, it feels it feels it's not exactly that, but it feels close to that to whatever high bar that we're setting with Kevin. Yeah, I guess that's fair, but also. Why did Cleveland let him like? He's gone to a rival at the at the end of the day. You know, there's a there, there's a, there's a chance that he yeah. perhaps meet up in this thing. And like now you have Kevin Love, who knows this like knows this defense really well. You know what I mean? He knows the players and that kind of thing, and he's serviceable. Like he like I picked up for Kevin Love in fantasy this year, like for a reason. You know, when he was getting rotation minutes, because I'm like, oh, this guy can be still pretty solid. He was dropping 20 points earlier this year. Yeah. Like, I think he had a 24 point game. Quarter, yeah, like that. that was years ago. That, uh, this, that was this season, pal. That, yeah. Uh, oh, wait, I'm thinking of the 36 point or 34 point, whatever it was. Never mind. All right, continue. Yeah. Like, um, like, he can still get it done. So it's like, I don't know, like, I was reading. I was I was reading all that stuff where it's like, okay, yeah, Cleveland might make it, so like he can't sign with the Heat, and I'm like, okay, like how I saw that too, yeah, and like yeah, yeah. I was just like, Cleveland can't do that. Yeah, yeah that's the that's, that's not that's not how it works. You don't buy someone out and then choose where they're going to go after it. When I saw that, I was laughing because like that's not even that's a report that doesn't even make sense. Yeah, so it like, was just practically they wouldn't buy him out. Like I don't were, think they would have bought like if they knew. I mean. Well, he's in Miami, but like the option would have been like they're not going to buy him out and then tell him where to go. They just, they just wouldn't have bought him out. Which, yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. The worst I look at this situation for Kevin Love is I look at I look at floor and I look at ceiling. I think I think ceiling he could be as good and effective as the Crowder acquisition, like uh, and how Jay helped all through the playoffs and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I think at his lowest, uh, he'll be Joe Johnson in 2016. I agree with that. That's I yeah, I, yeah. I agree with that too. I like the love acquisition. I'm not trying to compare him to Trevor. Re- I'm just oh, no. saying you you have you have you have to you have to play devil's advocate or else we can't have a and conversation. Jay Crowder, because <laughs> <laughs> it's like I hear I can I mean they kept not uh, Chris Bosh. I mean, but like yeah. I'm trying to like set a realistic bar. 
Yeah, no, he's going to be I, I think. And it really doesn't matter at this point because I don't know. I don't want to say the season's lost, but like you, us three, I don't think have had fun this year. No. Kevin Love offers some sort of fun. That's to it's, an extent, that's right? It's, so it's a new body. It's so it's someone new. It's new blood. This team needs new blood, regardless if it's when, Kevin when Love, whether it's Trevor Reza, whether it's Joe Johnson, who might be forty-five. I don't know. He can still but, play. With <laughs> yeah, he played with the Celtics last year. All right, yeah. maybe I don't know, but like it's new blood in the organization. That's I think what matters more than whatever dumb thing I have to say. But like I'm just saying, I'm trying to set like a realistic bar. I think he'll be. He'll get 20 to 25 minutes at least per game. Yeah. I mean, when I wrote in the round table that's on the site, I think he's going to start. It might not be right away just because I hope it I don't is. Know how though. much time he needs to acclimate or not. I say he's, like, in. I say he's in there. Like, I, I hope he might be. He might, he might come off the bench for a couple, first couple of games. I don't know. We'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, I hope he's starting tomorrow. But I do want to very briefly go back to the Bosch and Kevin Love similarity. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jump okay. There, I'm not comparing them in terms of like you know statistical standpoint. Mm. Like I know even when Bosch's last season, he was right. an All Star, and I'm pretty sure he was putting up you know near 19, 20 points a game. I'm not comparing them statistically. I'm comparing them skill wise. The fit, the fit, and the skill, like just the their offensive arsenal. That's kind of what I'm comparing. Yeah. Not okay. the exact production or stats or anything, but I think the skill set is very, very similar. Yeah, offensively, okay. offensively. Yeah, the, no, I don't, I don't disagree with that part. I don't disagree with that. No, I think, I think, I think you're right. Um, so when we talk about Zeller. Um, and the type of like backup center this team kind of needs. I can't help but think of. Do you guys remember Willie Reed? Yeah, yeah. thirteen eleven yeah. run. Yeah. Like, so for the Heat in that in that run, like you know, we remember him probably being better than he was. But I mean, what was it? It was five point three points per game, and it was four point seven rebounds per game. But he was effective. Like I I, yeah. I I don't know why I remember him being a double double machine because obviously that didn't happen. But he was it's the a, plus minus. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. So I don't know if we're gonna get that out of out of not Mason Plumley out of Cody Seller. Um, but and I don't I don't know I don't know if we're gonna and I don't even know if we get that out of Yurt. But if we get a similar similar boost in in the second unit as a backup center from any of those guys, then that that makes this team a little bit different. Um, and also, like the cool thing too about the Heat is like it's 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 always cool to kind of go back. This was uh, back in 2016, 17. Like I was, I covered a lot of those that a lot of that 11 and 30 start. You know, brutal, brutal watch. Goran Dragic was the clear cut number one on the team. You know, and I loved loved Gogi. It was 7-11, baby. Him and Dion Waiters. You know, uh, James Johnson was probably my second favorite player on the team. Um, but no white side. You know, my side never did it for me, uh, especially especially near the end. But I, I enjoyed him that year. But the thing is that he were able to cut like the conditioning and all the things that he credited himself in the culture. They're able to leverage that in the second half of the season and finish 30 and 11. We're it's about that time now. This is where the heat generally peak. So if this team has a chance at doing anything in this postseason, I think we see it over the next 20, 23 to 25 games. You know, and uh, if we don't see it in these games, then like 
temper your expectations for the playoffs, boys, because it's like it's going to be a quick one. And players are getting healthier on the team now. Yeah, yeah, like Vic Vic is back. You know, Kyle's coming back at some point. You know, that's the all-star break is good for that. Jimmy is rested. He's hanging in Argentina having a blast, drinking his coffee, doing his thing, (laughs) you know? Like, uh, he'll he'll come back powered, you know? And Bam just, you know, like, an all-star appearance is nothing, especially at someone Bam's age. That's nothing to scoff at. That's an honor for them, you know? So it's like, he's feeling good just, you know, he fit like, you know, you hang with the NBA's best and you stand shoulder to shoulder with these guys. Like Bam is one of those guys. And I think now he might realize it a little bit more too. So it's like newfound confidence, rested Jimmy, some new roster acquisitions. Like I've not been positive about this team this season. So we, we have to say something about Kyle. We have to. And it's just because in our last show, yeah. it, I, I was either – two out of the three of us, or maybe it was all three of us who actually like pretty much guaranteed he was going to be gone. It was a you two. I still said in the summer that he'd be gone. It's a better contract to trade then. Now that we have him for the rest of the season, I still am not saying that he can't be productive, but I think it's, it, it's definitely time that he goes to a bench role. No, and no, I, no, and no, I, no. And I don't, I don't, I don't mean it as an insult or anything. Like I think that he can genuinely produce more in a bench unit than what Gabe can do as a starter. Gabe's been pretty, pretty near solid, more than solid. I mean, he was he was great for us in the playoffs last year when Lowry was hurt and Gabe was starting. It's you just you can't though because you just assembled something that Kyle is very familiar with that stretch four like that like he. What made the Raptors work in 2019 was that trade for Marcus All. You know, like Kyle and Marcus All worked really well together. Like the reason that, like we talked about, it, the reason why Lowry has been crappy this year is because he hasn't been able to conduct an offense properly. Like you took the ball out of his hands. Now you've given him traditional pieces that he can actually do something with. You know, a pick and pop with Love is very different than a pick and pop with Caleb Martin. Yeah. You know? Like you he'll gotta have the ball. Hand. He'll have the ball in his hands more off the bench, though. Yeah, that's true. But he's also gonna have less pieces to work with. Like the start, like the new, like the new starting lineup in this case works better for Lowry than what the bench would be, unless Love is coming off the bench. You know, they'll stack. They'll stagger minutes, though. Yeah, they'll I just stagger wanna, minutes. I mean, I mean I so it's like there'll be times where he overlaps with like Love or Bam or whatnot. But like, I think I know. I'm I'm kind of with Dan on this one. I don't know, man. Like, Wayne did it. Gabe, Gabe, yeah, yeah. Gabe has a very different game than Love. And I'm sorry, Gabe has a very different game than Kyle. He's a like, uh, you know, he does distribute, but he doesn't distribute at the same level. He's a scorer, which I think is great in the second unit. But I think if you're going to bring these guys, these stretch fours that can shoot in space and that kind of thing, like Lowry is a more effective point guard to uh, to finagle and play with that. Um, Whereas, whereas Gabe is going to go out and he'll. Don't get me wrong. Like I don't, all credit to Gabe Vincent. He's been spectacular in the games that he's played. You know, I'm a big, I'm a big Gabe Vincent fan. Yeah, like he I'm plays hard on defense and he and he does well. I just think the way the pieces are set up and like the way the offense and the motion will likely be, you got to give Lowry a shot at this now. And uh, and if not if not for I, anything about the money that you're laying on the table, because like I will. I will, I will, if I, if I'm the heat organization, I am taking a chance on my $28 million point guard 
uh, over my $2 million point guard to see if he can run this offense. And that's straight up because you have to, you have to justify it. You got to justify that money. Regardless if Lowry starts or he plays off the bench, I don't think he's going to be in our closing lineup. I think Gabe has locked that, that spot up in the final minutes. I mean, Lowry yeah. hasn't played in a fourth quarter and I don't even know how, how many games it's, it's been a long time since actually the last time Lowry played in a fourth quarter, it could have been when he had that vintage performance. It, it might've been against the wizards, I believe. Well, it doesn't, yeah, it, was, it was after that. Quarter. It kind of confuses me, honestly, that Lowry doesn't play in fourth quarters. Cause this guy has delivered like clutch buckets again and again and again and again throughout his whole career. You know what I mean? And the Heat, all they do is play clutch games. It almost it seems like a disservice to not have him out there. Like, it, it really surprises me. Like, like I know he's been playing crappy and that kind of thing, so I hope it's just been an injury thing. But, like, to not have Lowry, who's been a clutch player is pretty much his entire career, out in the clutch just seems like seems like a mistake to me. Well, the ball's going to be in Jimmy Tyler Bam's hands, and Kyle, I mean, Gabe is frankly a better point of attack defender than Kyle is. Yeah, at this point, it's that's, that's sure. probably the decider in that moment. So, Brandon yeah. is making that. That's a very valid point, though. He, he's a he's a proven clutch player, and for a team that plays the most clutch games in the entire league, like you, you know, it just it, I just don't know how much of that trend. I mean, you're Brandon's not wrong, but I just don't know how much of that translates to this year specifically. Yeah, like, I, mean, I don't know, like if because it's like Kyle looks like a complete not shell of himself, but he. He doesn't look the same as he has in his previously in his career. Um, I just I, I think we outlined some of the issues, but I don't know how much of this will all change with Kevin Love and Cody's elements. I'm not even asking for Kyle Lowry to go back to Toronto, Kyle Lowry. I'm asking him to just go back to last year on the Miami Heat. No, like I agree. The, the impact that he made last year, especially in the beginning of the season, like just go back to that Lowry. Just there is an know. update on Kyle that's like from last hour that I could right. talk about. Um, so. He coach Eric Spolstra indicated Thursday that Lowry knee would remain out indefinitely. Ira Winterman of the South Florida Sentinel reports. Lowry missed six consecutive games heading into the All-Star break and appears he'll miss at least a few more contests while dealing with lingering knee pain. Winterman relays that Lowry left Thursday's practice without comment despite several requests. So the veteran points guard, uh, so the veteran point guard status moving forward is murky at best. Gabe Vincent figures to be the primary beneficiary of Lowry's prolonged absence. So I think with that, like that new news. You know, maybe I think we see Lowry back, but it seems like there's some burned bridges with that. Like, like uh, I don't know, like, you know, I can tell you this. Um, Lowry, his first year in Toronto, I did not think he was going to stick around. Like the Kyle Lowry who wore number three for the Raptors. You know, he didn't seem overly happy. And then that changed a little bit later on. But it's like when Lowry is unhappy in a situation, you can really feel it, you know? So it's like, if that is what this is, then, you know, I think he comes back and he plays some minutes, but maybe you two are both right, where it's just, it's Gabe Vincent's role to lose. I'm going to paraphrase here a little bit, but uh, Ethan Skolnick of Five Reasons Sports, I can't remember how long ago this was, it was probably a couple weeks ago, Um, he reported that Lowry, like, wouldn't have much of a role with the organization or not like much of a role essentially for the rest of the season. He's said on multiple occasions on record that he's, that he hasn't received pushback from the organization. So that probably means his role some to an extent is limited. I don't know if that's 15 minutes, whether he comes back in March, whether it's 20 minutes, whenever he comes back, 
if he does anytime soon. I don't necessarily know what that entails, but like if he's not getting pushed back. Well, from- Tim Reynolds also reported that Lowry was going to be back by the end of this month. And that leaves only three games until this month is over. <laughs> right. Are we going to see Lowry within the next three games? Like, I don't. So definitely, I don't think he's coming back by the end of this month. I, I don't, I don't know about that. So it then definitely I, is an interesting word to use. Me too. And also yeah, this seems to be going the way of Hassan Whiteside. Like, it, like the only thing that Lowry hasn't done is talk about it in the press. You know, where where Whiteside was pissed about his minutes and he talked about it, um, but they were featuring Bam, you know, like uh, and Whiteside was Whiteside was making all that money. You know what I mean? Like he was the highest paid guy on the team and his minutes dipped under uh, they dipped under 30 for sure. I think he was averaging like more like 24 minutes a game like that final season, you know, the starting spot. Yeah, so exactly. And then like uh, Whiteside got some like play in the playoffs and looked lost and that kind of thing it's like it feel so you know despite the fact that i just had 10 minutes defending kyle lowry um because i really like kyle lowry and i really enjoyed him on the team last year so it's like i want him to play and i think he would be good in this if the if the bridges are burned in the heat uh in the heat organization the only the only person that we've seen recently do that is Whiteside. You know, and, and, you know, and things adjusted accordingly. So if that's the case, they'll likely be phased out of the rotation to a degree. They'll still be minutes, but they won't be like they were. And then, uh, yeah. And then obviously he'll be gone in the off season. But like the, the other thing is that he got to get some, uh, the heat needs to drum up some value for the man. So well, that's, uh, well, right. that's why we're asking this question. Like, all right, what the heck do they do? Cause there's a very, there's a wide variance of outcomes that could possibly happen. Well, he's on an expiring contract. It'll be much easier to trade him after this season ends. For sure. And and, and everyone knows he's capable. It's just like if indefinitely, like uh, like Matt was saying, it's like if indefinitely was on the table, then it's like I would have probably gone back and got Goron. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't know. Uh, Goron, obviously, it's there's 20 minutes a game for Goron Dragic. Come on. Yeah. I, it's just I strong locker room vibes should be up that absolutely i i strongly believe that kyle lowry can still add something to this team in a bench role i strongly believe that and i'm gonna be very very disappointed if it gets to the point where it's like a white side situation where That's lowry, what I'm worried about where, where lowry starts to you know voice his opinions and go to the media i'll be very disappointed if it gets to that but there was another report that said that Lowry was apparently open to whatever role the team has asked the team is asking him to do. Okay. So that's a very encouraging report. That's a very optimistic report. And just by him reportedly saying that, it seems as if he wouldn't be unopen to going out to playing off the bench. And quite frankly, at this, at his age, at 37 and still his championship experience and, you know, there's still He's room for the occasional vintage performance every now and then. I think it it's really a good fit if he plays off the bench. I, I really do. If he's not closing the games anymore anyway, 
why not put, at least give him bench minutes? I mean, I the ideal situation for Lowry at this point, um, if he does so, like if he if he doesn't come back and and start and like into the starting role, and he does go back into a bench role, and let's say he's playing well in those short spurts, the ideal situation for him would be, you know, run that, do well in that, have a couple vintage playoff Lowry performances. And then yeah. go into the offseason with a nice, some nice value. And look, Lowry's old, man. 37. He could very well go back to Toronto next year and ride out his one last dance with them, you know, if he wanted to. Because, like, uh, that, that, you know, very that, valid. That's that a very valid point. He's, he's earned it there. And, you know, and, and frankly, like, um, as, as annoying as some of his games are this season, he's had his moments and he definitely had moments in the playoffs last year. Like, I don't, I definitely, I definitely am a Kyle Lowry apologist. Um, you know, like, uh, and, and I'm, I'm definitely not the only one, uh, on Twitter, but it's, uh, it's more or less like, I, I still think there is a fit somewhere, uh, boys, we don't have that much time left. So I'm going to open this up just to any final words you want to say before we wrap this up. Um, we can probably do a pod pretty soon after this. Cause we're gonna have what a couple games this weekend. We probably go early next week. Back so, to back uh, Friday and Saturday. Yeah. We have back to back Friday, Saturday, and then Monday. So three games and four nights. So if we run this on Tuesday, then we got a lot to talk about. Um, so I uh, love how the NBA schedule makers like, yep, three day three games and four nights right out of the break. Oh, oh yeah, right. I'll start a break. So they're nice and rusty, they can handle it. <laughs> but uh well, anyway, I'll pass it well, to how you. How you, how you just how you just said, if there's any, you know, final comments to say to end this podcast. If it comes down in the offseason to paying Struess or Gabe Vincent, the money has to go to Gabe Vincent. Agreed. Agreed. It has to. It has the, to. The Heat have proven that they can find another Duncan or Struess yes, pretty easily. Exactly. Or or Luke Babbitt. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's got to be Gabe. I, I am a – Greatest power forward in team history, Luke Babbitt. I'm ending on that note. <laughs> uh, boys – Always a pleasure. Uh, this is really, really fun to talk about. Um, uh, Surya, and, you know, um, I don't think I swore too often, so you should not have to bleed me too, too much. But uh, to all our listeners and to all our fans, thank you for listening. Um, also, we, my phone went off, so please bleep uh, that out if you can. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm <laughs> but, um, as, yeah, as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. And we'll be back to argue about stuff again likely next week, as, as we always do. Uh, Dan, Matt, thank you again, brothers. Talk soon. Thank you. Have a good night, guys. Thank you. Enjoy the game tomorrow.